Okay, so we're live. Welcome back to the Magic Minds podcast. I'm Matt Bork. You're listening and watching the Liberty's number one podcast, the best, best podcast in Dublin. Yup, the Liberty's, yup, the flats. On the show today, I am joined by a special lady called Emer O'Neill. Emer, what's the crack? Hi, I'm so honoured to be here. Really honoured to be on the Liberty's number one podcast. And we're very modest, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> well, you've every right to claim the title. I believe, Emer, that you should celebrate anything. You know, if you if you win the the, the Bonnie Baby in nineteen seventy six, or if you win the Eurovision in two thousand twenty two, you should celebrate just as much. Celebrate it all. They say the universe doesn't differentiate between small wins and big wins. So when you celebrate the small ones, they'll all accumulate. Yeah, do you know what? I was actually talking to someone today, and we're collaborating and working together, and she said to me, "This is going to be great." And it was only when I looked at her words, I said to her, do you know what? This is great. It already is. This is the miracle, isn't it? That's you know? beautiful. That's beautiful. Our words are so powerful. Our words are so powerful. We are programming ourselves every moment of every day through our thoughts and through our words. And the moment that you can start to pay attention to the words that you're using and choose to reframe every sentence to be a little bit better, like what you just did. This is already great. Yeah. That's when the magic happens. Absolutely. I know I used to always say to Andy, Andy's my trusty sidekick in a podcast, my partner in crime, oh, it's going to be great, Andy. We're going to do this and we're going to do that. And I realized one day we have achieved. We're here. We've arrived. This is it. Not based on someone else's metric or what success is. This is it. We have a studio where we're, we're inspiring and doing what we say we do. We're here. Yeah. Sometimes we forget that, don't we? This is it. Yeah. You're always looking to the next step. But when you stop and look at it, you realize that you're exactly, exactly where you are. You would have been so proud of five years ago. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We 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 don't take stock. If you had to ask me, would you take this or two years, three years ago? You're like, absolutely. Now we're still talking about when we get there, when we get there. And then I realize we're here already, Andy. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's the that's the balance between being driven and wanting to achieve more and pursuing your goals and being grateful and happy for where you are now. And I think you need both of those for true happiness. I think you need to be really grateful for everything that you have right now, appreciate everything you have right now, while also taking action every single day to move yourself forwards to the next great thing. I absolutely love it. Guys, the reason I've asked Emer on the show today, Emer is a love and dating expert, but she's also a hypnotist. I don't know if they go together or you do the two with the one product, but it sounds fascinating. I just want to tap into that kind of stuff. Look, we're in 2021. We're in January. It's a difficult time. No doubt life is difficult, but love and dating, I'm sure, is really difficult for people at the moment. But before we get into that, tell us a little bit about the work that you actually do. Uh, I'm fascinated. Uh, we actually are friends of a friend, a lady, Julianne, she's a pal of mine. She put me onto your work. And I love the, uh, the the different kinds of stuff that you do. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so your mind is creating everything in your life. And I realized this quite a few years ago when I started personal development, uh, my personal development journey, listening to podcasts exactly like this one, listening to people talking absorbing all these ideas I started to realize that your mind is creating 
everything. And this really became clear for me when I went through a moment a couple of years ago when at this in the same month, within the same couple of weeks, I was in a job at risk of redundancy. My partner at the time ended the relationship and I found out that I had to leave the apartment I was living in because it was going to be sold. All of those three things happened at the same time. And I could observe myself laughing about it, joking about it, saying, it's okay. What's actually the worst that can happen? Really the worst that happens is I move back in with my parents. And that's not that bad. That's not a tragedy. And I could see myself acting so differently in that scenario, having done the personal development work compared to what I would have done a year previously. And I realized that the only difference was my mindset. That same experience, you can experience it as a tragedy, as a catastrophe. You can experience anxiety and depression because of it or with a different mindset, with a different message going through your head, you can see it for what it is, events outside of your control and all you can manage is your thoughts, your internal world. So when I saw all of that, I decided that I really wanted to help people to take control of their own minds and to take control of their own life experience because I saw how it's possible to experience a better life simply by changing the internal world. And so I studied with Marissa Peer, who is a leading hypnotherapist. She's really fantastic. And some of your listeners might know her from Mind Valley, which is an online platform for personal development. So she has a very specific um, branch of hypnotherapy that I studied, which gets people really rapid results by going into their past and their subconscious mind. So to very briefly explain what the subconscious mind is, we think of our mind as our thoughts, our chatter, our logic, our decision making, all of that is what we think of when we think of the mind. But there are other parts of our mind and there are a lot of your memories stored, especially from when you were very young, in what we refer to as the subconscious mind. So subconscious, it's below your awareness. You're not aware of everything that's going on in there. And when you're very young, all of your memories are stored in there because kids aren't thinking critically up until the age of about seven. They don't really have the logic, the critical thinking, the decision making. They're just absorbing everything as they're trying to figure out the world and how to navigate the world and all the rules of society. They're just absorbing them so that they can survive. And all of that is stored in your subconscious mind. So whatever rules existed in your family around did you have to do well in school to be loved did you have to do well in sports to get the appreciation of your family all of that was absorbed and you you may have learned lessons that you're not even aware of and this is true for money this is true for success whatever you observed you absorbed and so that's how your subconscious mind is influencing you still today And so whenever you have a behavior that you don't like, whenever you're doing something and it feels like it's out of your control, it's because it's not your conscious mind that is driving that behavior. It's your subconscious mind. And so whenever you have a pattern, people will have difficulty eating healthily or exercising or 
being kind and not not moving to anger whenever something bad happens in a relationship those patterns feel like they're out of your control and they only feel that way because they're not happening from the part of your mind that you're 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 aware of they're coming from that deeper level and so through hypnotherapy you can see what's going on at the deeper level make sense of all of it and once you see it you can change it because most of the rules that you absorbed as a child are not helpful so once you see what's there you can decide to replace it with more helpful beliefs so that you can wow. move forward in control of your behavior fantastic and i know a lot about that in regards to subconscious and don't you say that we you know are 90 percent subconscious 10 percent in a conscious place i'd say maybe 95 now yeah. just to give us a, 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 a paint the picture was life difficult for you before you done that course? You know, you said that life changed altogether. Did you have difficulty around like mental health or anxiety or struggles that you had to delve into? Is Can I ask that? That's okay. Yeah, sure. So I was not aware at the time, but as I started learning and learning how to change my thought patterns and learning how to take control of my mind, I started to realize that I actually had a lot of anxiety. I had a lot of fears that were not based on anything. And I just accepted them as normal. I just thought that that's what life as a human was like. And, right. and it was only as I started changing them that I realized, it was only after I had got rid of them that I could see that they were there in the first place. Okay, what did he say? Awareness is the greatest agent for change. Yeah, I actually always say awareness is your first step towards change because people will get very discouraged when they see that they have a problem. When they see the pattern and they see it's repeating and they can't control it, they get very discouraged and they feel like they're unsuccessful. But actually that awareness is the first step to change. When you see it, that's the first thing you need to to do in order to be able to change it. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. When I said that I know a bit about subconscious, I've done holotropic breath work and that brought me to an altered state of conscious. That brings you into your subconscious and it brought back uh, visuals, feelings, events in my life. And it was only then, because I had done a lot of work intellectually, read and looked, and, but didn't move down into that subconscious. And it's that uncovered stuff, isn't that really trips yeah. us up? Yes. And that is the main difference that I found before doing the hypnotherapy and after. So before doing the hypnotherapy, I was listening to podcasts, I was reading books and I was consciously aware of all of this information. And in some ways I was making the changes. But what really got me, and this was around the time when I was learning the hypnotherapy, was these affirmations that no matter how many times I said them, I just didn't really believe them. They didn't set in. And that's why affirmations can be good if they're about something that you feel neutral about or you already feel positive about, but you can't undo negative thinking through affirmations. And that's what I really realized was when I was doing my affirmations and it just wasn't sinking in. And that's when the subconscious work, I realized how powerful it was and how it can change the, the really deep feelings. So people are listening to this now, they're going to listen to this about affirmation. So what do they do then? What's what's the work that they need to do? How do they get that to soak in? So if you're 
doing affirmations about something that you already believe is possible or that you already have positive beliefs around, then those affirmations will soak in just fine. It's when you're starting to do affirmations and you're, you feel that resistance. It means that there's something in your subconscious that that's in conflict with those affirmations. There's some part of you that just doesn't believe they're true. So when you feel that resistance, again, people might feel discouraged when it comes up, like it's not working, but actually that's the moment when you've hit the gold. That's when you've found exactly what it is that you need to change. So you may not be able to identify it right away because if it's in the subconscious, the way those, um, those memories are stored, it's more physical. It's more like a physical response or an emotion and you may not necessarily be able to put words to it. But I would encourage people to meditate, to sit into that feeling. So let's say, for example, you say something like, I am, I'm lovable. Let's start with I'm lovable. And it doesn't feel right. It just feels like that's not true. You sit down and say, look inside, look what part of my body is reacting and what is it trying to tell me? And it's, it's really hard to get those answers in your conscious state. So it helps to go into a meditation where you can slow down your thinking and just really feel your body and then start to ask, what is this feeling trying to tell me? It's usually trying to protect you in some way, protect you from getting hurt, protect you from rejection. And just, just feel into it. Why don't, why don't I believe that I am lovable? And when you feel into it, your body will start to give you answers. And that's the subconscious mind. Okay. And so once you see what's coming up, then you can start to negotiate with, with it. When you can identify yeah. what it is, then you can negotiate with it. You know, people do have, you know, uh, <clears throat> instilled beliefs, you know, they're not good enough, worthy, not lovable. And sometimes they can't get by that. They can't get past that barrier. You know, you know, you tell yeah. people to, you know, say your affirmations, you know, write them on a board, yada, yada, yada. But it's just like throwing mud against the wall there and they're just sliding off, you know. And it's probably hard for people to get past that, isn't it, without proof? Like, you yeah. know, how can I say I'm lovable when I don't feel loved? So how do people get past that? Yeah, I would say everything you say is right on point. It's so true for people. And the, the way to start is to start with, I am enough. Because it's very hard for your mind to resist that. You know, if you start saying, I am a superhero, I am a rock star, <laughs> your mind can say, well, no, you're not, clearly. Uh, but if you start with, I am enough, your mind can say, yeah, okay, I, I can get on board with that one. That's simple. That's uh, Okay, so start low stakes. Yeah, but I am enough, it's, it's fundamental. I am enough, I am worthy. And repeat that one over and over because it's very hard for your mind to resist that one and if you repeat that every day if you did that on repeat morning and night within a month you'd really feel it you'd really feel like you're enough absolutely brilliant do you see the, that you know when people have these difficulties around not feeling good enough, not a lot of self doubt, uh, not loving them, not worthy enough? Do you see that as a barrier for people to get into getting into relationships? They obviously bring that with them. Then, then they 
project onto other people. You don't love me enough. You not, you know, treat me with respect and blah, blah, blah. When it's this instilled belief that they may not be good enough or not lovable. Is that yeah. hard then for people getting into a relationship? I, I know that was for me, for sure. It is, Matt. And the thing is that most people aren't aware that that's what's happening. So it'll manifest in different ways. There'll be people who don't make opportunities to get into a relationship because they just think it's not going to be successful. So why bother trying? And that can come from not feeling lovable, not feeling enough. Then there's other people who will try, but they'll keep going back to people who don't treat them well because they don't believe that somebody out there could treat them well. Uh... And it could manifest as you meet somebody who's really good, who actually likes you and sees, you know, how amazing you are and you push them away because it doesn't feel comfortable for somebody to like you that much. That was me. There must be something wrong with them. Or you might think that they're, they're missing something and eventually they're going to find out that you're not what they think, what you, what they think you are. That sounds familiar. <laughs> so those thought processes are how it comes up. And that feels so real to the person when they're in the middle of it. But what's underlying that is false beliefs around not being lovable, around not being enough. Specifically, if there was something in notable in your childhood, and this is where people think, well, that couldn't be me because I had a really happy childhood. But it can come from happy childhood and unhappy childhood. It can be if the parent was working a lot and didn't have a lot of time for a child. That's really common where the child believes that mommy or daddy likes their work more than they like me. Work is more important than me. So therefore I must not be good enough. It can also happen if a parent is abusive or has uh, addiction issues, something like that. The same thought process can go on. Why isn't mommy here for me? Why aren't they giving me the love and attention? It must be because I'm not good enough. But it can also come from a really happy childhood where the parents really praise a child for good performance at school, for example. And then they think, when I do well in school, mommy and daddy love me. Therefore, if I'm not doing well, I risk losing their love. So, so then it, there's this disease to please. Exactly, exactly. So it's not um it's not a matter of you have to come from an unhappy childhood to have absorbed these messages. Mm. It's basically I don't think any person escapes childhood without taking on the, this belief in some way. Uh, absolutely. I was only saying this to my manager today. I have in, in all relationships, a lot of times I have been the the Usain Bolt. I have done the 100 meter sprint as soon as I start getting the the, the feelings because I've always felt like I was going to be abandoned. One, I never thought I was good enough. I never believed anyone loved me. Never believed all the shit that people used to say. Oh, you're lovely. You're funny. I was like, ah, no, I don't believe any of that. And because I just didn't think it was lovable. And I was telling my mom this because my mom said years ago she was leaving me that. And it, it was just a flipping comment. They were having an argument, but I always thought my mom was going to leave. So mm -hmm. I always had this feeling that I will be abandoned. So there's always this fear of abandonment. So I used to leave before I would leave or they'd leave me or I would say, ah, oh, this is never going to work. And I'd bounce because I'd have this fear, which I never knew about. I just thought I didn't like them. I criticized yeah. them. I found faults in them. Their eyes are too big. Their nose is too long, whatever. 
And I was no George Clooney. We're just looking for faults of people. But at a subconscious level, I was protecting myself because of this childhood belief. Yeah, and it's amazing that you can see that now, that you have that perspective. A lot of people will go through their life and never realise that's what's happening at all. Mm. How do how do we get past that for people? You know, do you is it a case of before you get into a relationship, do you work on those pieces that may be stopping you or, or becoming a barrier or an obstacle, or can you do it in relationships? What's what's the healthiest thing for people to do if they've identified stuff like this that may be tripping them up and they've had lots of failed relationships? Yeah, I think when you're single is a fantastic time to to do the work because you have a chance to reset you have a chance to restart to become a new person and to become comfortable in that yourself so that when you go into the relationship you do feel steady that's not to say that that's the only time when you can do it I think when you're in a relationship you also can do the work it's a little bit trickier because there's another person there and there can be that fear of judgment for if you're changing or fear of rejection if you start to if you start to set boundaries when there were never any boundaries before there is a real risk that the person might say okay I'm out yeah and so when you start to do that work that's something you have to come to terms with that if you want to create the relationship that you really want the relationship you have has to end has to change in some way and you can start a new relationship with the same person or you might decide to separate. But if you don't want to continue the patterns that you have currently, in some way, shape or form, that relationship has to change. And that's the hard part when you're in a relationship. But if both parties are aware and willing to do the work and they're both doing the work at the same time, it can be so empowering and fantastic to actually say, OK, let's end the relationship the way it is right now and let's start a new one where we can be more honest with each other where we can be vulnerable where we have a real intimate connection where we listen to each other where we try to support each other and help each other to grow and where we're here for each other no matter what let's be real partners and if two people come together with that approach then they're going to start a new relationship together Wow. See all that you just spoke there, you know, all those values, the openness, the honesty, the vulnerability. I wasn't taught those as a kid. I They were alien to me. These are only after coming into my vocabulary the last, say, six, seven years, you know. So what am I, 44 now? 37 years, you know, I just went off an old program. And it's just beautiful. And it's it's good to know what you want, isn't it? And it's good to know what you expect of the other person and then have that clarity that I want this, this and this and, and hopefully they have the same. Yeah, and that's really the dilemma that we are coming up against in this generation because we're aware of a level of relationship that is so connected so empowering, almost like soulmate connection. We're aware that that exists, but most of us haven't observed that and we haven't seen any, you know, example of how to create that. So we're kind of the blind leading the blind of trying to figure out how to do all those things without really having an example of somebody who already did it. And it can be discouraging because there's a, to create a relationship like that, there's a lot of 
death to the ego like you have to be willing to to be in pain and to be wrong a lot of the time and I think people are maybe not ready for that if they haven't seen you know a friend or uh, some leader that they, that speaks about it if they haven't got that example they might not be ready for all the pain that comes along the way on the path of personal growth to creating uh, that kind of relationship and we 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 i'm going to say this just i'm just throwing this out there we we don't like the difficult conversations we don't like the pain we 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 think uh, beautiful honeymoon periods all synonymous with relationship. It's all beautiful. It's all gorgeous. It's all I love you, Johnny. I love you, Mary. And when it becomes difficult, it's straight away. Oh, this doesn't work, and we want to bail out. We have this. Is it? It's romanticized, isn't it? But relationship yeah. takes work, and you have to like, as you say, be honest about your faults. Be honest about your vulnerabilities. You know, this yeah. as Brene as Brene Brown says, this is the story I'm telling myself. You know, exactly. when you get jealous, anxious, nervous in a relationship. And it, yeah. that, that is hard. And yeah, you're, you're, you're spot on that people don't like the discomfort. But the best relationships are a mirror of your true self. So you'll be able to see all parts of yourself, the good and the bad, with the, with the aim of working on what you feel is the bad parts of yourself. So relationships are an amazing opportunity for personal growth for personal development because there's somebody there who can see the parts of you that you wish people wouldn't see but (laughs) (laughs) once they bring them up you have the opportunity to work on them and to grow but yeah you're you don't you don't get to hide all the nasty parts of yourself in a relationship they're going to come out one way or another I only listened to this in a book recently. I don't know what book it was, but whatever whatever you're trying to hide, whatever's hiding will come to fruit will come to fruition or come to surface as soon as you go into a relationship. It will just come out. They'll it'll be a it'll be elicited from you, won't it? Like if it's an insecurity, if it's a, a difficulty around judgment, acceptance, yeah. it just comes to the surface, doesn't it? We become vulnerable. Yeah, and I think the best thing you can do is to accept that there are things that you're not aware of that are going on inside of you that you might become aware of in a relationship and to not make it wrong you know it's to not have judgment about that side of you to not have any shame around that side of you to accept all parts of you as the only way you could be today given the life that you lived up until this point you know Yeah. We can't be any different. Absolutely. And I think it's what we said earlier, isn't it? It's about doing the work. Because I remember being in a relationship a couple of years ago and the person called me weird, right? And I wasn't very comfortable with the word weird. I was like, she's like, you're weird. You're being weird. But I always had the mindset of what weird was. But I get it now. The fact that I wear odd stockings and I do strange things. and But I own those crazy things. I, I love them. I like them about myself. But I didn't know that they were weird back then. I didn't know what weird really was. Now I kind of get it. But I owned my own shit. You know, yeah. I'm actually comfortable with wearing odd socks. She actually bought me a new phone so I wouldn't wear odd socks. She's please don't wear odd socks. I'm like, but I love odd socks. And she's like, I bought you a new phone. And I sold it. And I got the phone. <laughs> but I've reverted back to the odd socks. But I own my own shit now. I don't care what people think. I've done, the, I've done a lot of work and I'm comfortable being my unicorn self. 
Yeah. Uh, I think it's important, isn't it? And that's what I really want all the single people to work on doing is to accept themselves the way they are right now. Because what are your options when you're dating? You can pretend to be somebody that's cooler than you are or, you know, smarter than you are or richer than you are. You can put on a facade and try to be somebody more impressive. But at some point or another, you're going to feel like an imposter or you're going to get found out and be considered a liar or deceptive. And so that doesn't have a a good ending. Or you can be yourself. And if you don't love who you are, then you're going to fear being rejected because you'll think if if I'm myself, who's going to choose that? So when you do that self-love work, you think, well, I love myself. So I'm going to go out here and meet whoever I meet. And if we're a good match, they'll like me. If we're not, that's great. They can move on, but they're going to know who they're dealing with from the beginning. So you don't end up getting attached to somebody who's a bad match. And you can have a little bit of, um, you can feel rejection proof because if you're not a good match, it's a neutral thing. It doesn't have any meaning. Yeah. Yeah. It's no reflection on you if they don't choose you or they don't, or you don't choose them. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what I want to just jumped into my mind? Can you tell us that little story you told me at the start? We said we bring it up because I think it's, it's kind of poignant to to the work that you do. Yeah. So this is um, a real example of not trying to control what's going on in the outside world and trust in the little hints, trust in the little, uh, that the universe might be giving you a bit of support along the way. So when I was, um, when I was single, I was working on um, my Instagram and I was trying to build up my business and I had scheduled some time on a Sunday afternoon to record my videos for the week and my phone just wouldn't work. It said the memory was full and so I deleted all the videos and still the memory was full, which is, how does, how does that even happen? That's not, <laughs> that's not logical. So I, there was no way I could do the work that I was trying to do that I'd scheduled to do. So I opened Tinder and I just swiped a little bit on Tinder. And in that moment, when I was trying to do something else and I was pushed to not be able to do that thing, I met somebody who I am still with today. Wow, that's brilliant. When you surrender and stop trying to control everything, you could be surprised what kind of magic might happen for you. That segues lovely onto a question I'm going to ask you now, and it's very poignant. You know, we're trying to not control. We're trying to let the universe uh, do its work, do our magic, let our, our angels and our guides help us out. But does Tinder, Plenty of Fish, all these things create that? Because we can pick what colour hair she has. We can pick what job she has. We can pick, you know, gives you all these options. She's into surfing, she's into walking dogs, into that. It's nearly like it's very controlled who you're going to be with. How do people navigate around that? I think you really have to approach these, um, these apps with the right mindset. Because if you go in not being clear on how you want to show up in a relationship, not being clear on what you want from somebody else in a relationship, you can start to see people as disposable because there's so many options that there's always another one. Yeah, we dehumanise people. We're like, yeah. ah, she's just a picture on the internet, scroll past. Because I've looked and I went, shit, that's somebody's daughter. And I, you know, I'd be like, ah, oh, whatever, whatever. I haven't been on it in a couple of years, but 
we dehumanize people by that, don't we? We don't really yeah. see them as a human. Yeah. But then when you're when you approach them and you're actually clear about what you're looking for in a person, and I always encourage people to show as much in depth what they're actually like on their profile so that it gives them a bit more humanity so that we see, you know, what activities they like to do and in their bio a little bit of information about their quirks or their interests or what kind of things you could do together and when you approach it with that attitude of being authentically yourself showing who you really are and knowing what you're looking for then I think the apps are such a great resource to open up your opportunities to meet somebody and I see them as just another avenue that you could meet somebody just another path where you could where you could cross paths with that person and so like just in a, just like another bar <laughs> exactly except we don't have bars right now so yeah, yeah yeah so it's i mean we're very lucky that this is available to people that they can be at home they can be in lockdown and they can still be starting conversations with people that they could end up falling in love with mm, absolutely so people are, are listening, they're watching to this and they're single in this pandemic, in this current situation. What do they do if people want to start dating or they're looking for love? or Where do they start? What's your what's your go to tips or healthy advice you could give them? So I think the first thing you can do right now is get to know yourself again. Really get in touch with what makes you tick. You know, we might get into habits of doing certain things because they're the norm like you might have got into the habit of going to the gym just because that's what's done but does it really light you up or would you prefer to actually be out in the hills walking would you prefer to be uh, swimming in the sea you know find use this time to find who you truly are and what really lights you up get to know yourself and to also think about what you actually want in a relationship and this can be a really hard question for people because a lot of people won't admit to themselves what they want because they don't believe it's available to them. Great show. Brilliant. That is great show. So they might say, and I, I have this conversation with people a lot where they start to say what they want and then they say, oh, but that might be too much. That might be too picky. So to really get clear on what you'd like and without necessarily attaching to it. So you can say, I would love to meet somebody who is as active as me who'd like to join me on the forest walks and who likes animals and then not be attached to it so that's that's that would be lovely but I'll take you know uh, yeah. else if that's not it and that that frees you up a little bit to to not get attached to not get overly attached to people and so once you know yourself and you know what you're looking for I'd recommend that single people do get on the dating apps whenever They've, they're at a point where they are secure in themselves to get on the dating apps knowing what they're looking for and showing who they really are and being decisive when they're matching with people in the, starting conversations a lot of women are afraid to start conversations and so they'll they'll get all the matches and no conversations because they won't send the first message themselves wow i used to think i thought I thought they just didn't like. I'd be like, we're at the matching and no conversation. Yeah, I I, did, I was a bit lost at that at, at one stage. And that's the first place where people are missing out on opportunities because they're making assumptions about the other person and what they're thinking. Okay. So 
so just send the first message because if it's not the person that you end up being a partner with well then what's the harm because you're not going to really see them or talk to them again and if it is your partner aren't you going to be glad and isn't it going to be easy the conversation will be easy if it is your partner so to remove that judgment to remove that negative charge and just know what you want start the conversation and then be decisive what do you really need to know about this person to know if they're a good match for you and try and find that out in the conversation instead of having an aimless conversation have a, pur- a purposeful conversation try and find out is this person a good match for you if humor is important if you need them to laugh at your jokes tell a joke see if they laugh oh, you know a great show yeah 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 that's that's a great one and that's really interesting what you say there sometimes the conversations would be like same same conversation hi how are you i'm grand how are you be like oh man i've had this conversation it feels like i'm gonna copy and paste here yeah and so what i ask people to do is really to think into the future when you meet somebody who you'd actually decide to marry if you are totally and completely yourself they're going to resonate with that they're going to vibe with it it's going to be fun it's going to be entertaining so you may as well just show who you are as a filter so that you're attracting the people who like that because if you're thinking long term you actually want a partner you want a relationship well then they're going to see that side of you eventually and they're going to like it so why not show it in the beginning and let yourself attract the people who like it and lose the people who don't Absolutely. Another big thing I think is important, and I'm really practicing this over the last number of years, you know, in relationships, last year anyway, is patience. But I know that's difficult for people because society puts pressure on women that they have to have a kid at a certain age, you know, a house, a marriage or lads or relation, you know, whatever. There's always societal pressure, no matter what, what, what sex or orientation you're into. There's always that pressure, that that patience is not a good thing, but I think it is a good thing. I think you need to be patient and do your work. That's screaming at me all the time. Do your work, do your work. Yeah, I think patience without being passive. You know, you want to keep things moving forward. Okay. So, so patience can be a trap, a bit of a trap as well. If you want a relationship and you're seeing somebody and having conversations with somebody who's not moving in that direction, patience doesn't help you get towards that goal if they're not somebody that's moving towards that goal with you. So it's strategic patience. If you can, if you can identify what's not serving you and at least move away from that, then within, you know, as long as you're on your right path, being patient yeah. is really helpful because it doesn't put excessive pressure on the other person because you're when you're dealing with relationships you're dealing with another person and you can't control them or what they want to do or the pace they want to move at you can only you can only make sure that you have all the information you need to make a decision right now and continue collecting that information that's what dating is I I think of dating as data collection you know you need certain things so as you're dating, you should be figuring out, you should be getting closer to a decision. Because you end up in this perpetual, these situationships where they like each other, but they're one's doesn't want to move forward, the other's afraid to try and move forward in case it ends. And 
that doesn't serve anyone. So when you actually want a relationship, every date you should be gathering more information to help you make a decision on whether you're going to move to get forward together or whether you're going to end things. But you don't want to end up in a perpetual cycle of not knowing where you stand. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Is is the dating world like apps and online, is that suited to to, to certain people? Oh yeah, I'm a very person in person person. I like to meet people, body language, you know, I'm quite quirky with my jokes, so the better said because you can see my face not mess it. Where online it can be very one-dimensional. Is that something you notice with people? Yeah, so with online, I think people can be very resistant to it because it's different to how they're used to operating. But that doesn't mean it's worse. It just means you approach it differently. And so what I say to people is that it's just a different order of getting to know things about a person. So when you meet somebody in person, the first things you're going to know are if you find them attractive and if you have chemistry and that kind of thing. You know it immediately if you meet somebody and you just don't know that on the app. You can't know that until you meet them. But when you meet somebody in person, you don't know much about their values or their interests. That part takes a bit more time to get to know. Whereas on the app, you get that before you even say hi to them. If they've put up some pictures, if they've put up a bit of information in their bio, then you know a little bit about what they're interested in. So it's just flipping the order of how you get to know a person. And like you said, if face-to-face is really important to you if chat just doesn't work for you then quickly move from the chat once you're once you've gathered enough information about whether that's a good person to actually have a conversation with quickly move to the video chat now or whenever oh jesus that's where it's gone now is it again the in-person uh chat but it's just it's just approaching it in a different order that's that's brilliant, and it's moved. I have been on dating apps now in a long, long time, and it's gone to the the video chat. How soon? Let let's say you start chatting with somebody. Hi, how are you? What's crack? How soon do you do you, do you ask them out whether to be for a coffee if they're in your five k this or whatever? How soon do you make that decision? Day, two days, depend. Is it is it I, context I related? I don't think it's a time. I think it's more. Do you have enough information to know? if you want to meet them, if you want to spend some time talking to them. So for for every person, that will be a little bit different, especially if some people are more comfortable with writing, they may actually get to know a person by chat before meeting. Whereas if somebody's more uh, an in-person kind of, they prefer in-person meetings, then they might move more quickly. But I think one mistake that a lot of people make is getting to know the person too much by chat. And they'll get attached to somebody that they end up having no chemistry with. So that's how a lot of people end up getting disappointed with dating apps is that they meet somebody, they think they're a nice person, they would like to like them, and then they meet in person and there's no spark. Why is that? What happens? Is it just they already know the information or? So that would be if they meet online and they haven't ever seen each other in person. And when they see each other in person, there's just no attraction or no chemistry, no spark because. You can't force that. You can't create it if it's not there. Oh, yeah. So when you're dating online, it's really important not to get attached to a person and not to create an idea of who they are before you ever meet them. That's fascinating. I have got that. I have been texting somebody and it's totally different when we met. I went, they're actually brilliant. And then when you get to meet them, 
it's just the energy is just not there. Yeah. And I'm not saying them, just the two of us. It's I believe it's a two-way path. Exactly. You know. So the timing of when to meet is before you get to know them too well by text, before you get attached to them. I think you need to get enough information to know, are they a real person? And are they interested in the same level of relationship that you are? So I specifically help people who want a relationship, but there'll be people listening to this who don't. And so to assess, are they at the same level? Do they want, if you want a relationship, do they want the same thing? If you just want uh, something short term, do they want the same thing? And so if you've assessed that they're a real person and they want the same thing as you, then it's a good idea to, to meet as quickly as possible. Okay, cool. How do we how do we make sure people are safe? You know, people are worried about, you know, like fraud online, dodgy people, yeah. dodgy. How do people stay safe? You know, boys or girls? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, scamming through these apps. So yeah. that's another reason why it's important to to see somebody on a video or to have some uh, evidence that they're a real person before before you get to know them too much. So video chat is great. And the apps now, they have a video function. So you don't even need to give your phone number or anything like that if you don't want to. So in that way, you can get to know is the person a real person, which is really, really important. And then I think in keeping safe in dating, the number one thing that people can do that they don't, that most people don't do is asking the uncomfortable questions. Oh, here we go. I told you. People don't like this. No, people don't like it, but we're overly trusting and we're afraid to ask questions because we want to be polite or we want to be liked. But if you don't ask a question, you can only blame yourself that you didn't know. If you do ask the question about, you know, something to do with your safety or something to do with who they really are, or if you feel, you know, a lot of people have have the intuition they just ignore it you have that gut feeling I think I think they're lying to me I think he's telling me that I'm the only one but I think he's talking to other people you have that gut instinct and if you ignore it then you don't have a lot of evidence to you just have your feeling if you if you can ask that question then you also have the person's response and and they may they may tell you the truth or they may lie, but you'll get to see a bit more of their energy, how they interact with you. Do they try to convince you that you're crazy because that's a red flag? And so by asking the uncomfortable questions, a decent person will respond well. And if they don't respond well, it's a red flag. So you can help yourself out by asking the questions that are uncomfortable. That's fantastic. What's the work that you do with people? If people want to work with you, do you coach them through that? I know you're doing the the self-development stuff, but also do you do uh, kind of single coaching? Yeah, so what I'm doing now is I work with people to see why they're in the patterns that they've been in in the past and help them release those and start from a base of really strong self-love, self-worth, being able to set their boundaries and then helping them to go out into the dating world and date from a more empowered place where they know what they want, they're able to ask for it, they don't feel rejected ever because they know that nothing is personal and they're able to create a relationship that they want and not fall into those old patterns. 
Yeah, and that that piece that just jumped out me there when you says feel empowered, that can sometimes intimidate people because sometimes people they, they they don't they don't feel comfortable with that a strong woman or a strong man or opinionated woman or man. People are a little bit taken aback with that, but I do say to people, no, own your power, own your your strength, sit in that. It's really important, isn't it? Like you've worked yeah. hard for that. And um, being empowered is not overpowering anyone. Yeah, it's simply taking control of the things that are within your control and releasing everything that's outside of your control and saying no saying no as well saying no to them is saying yes to you exactly there's so much power in your no when you start to enforce your no you open up what you really want to say yes to yeah and it's something it's like it's like discipline it's like a muscle once you just activate and start working on it it gets stronger and you yeah. feel empowered to go, you know what, this feels right to me to say no and yes. And you start to know yourself a little bit more, don't you? Yeah, it was. I remember the first time I was trying to enforce some boundaries in relationships, because in the past, my boundaries were crap. Uh, so <laughs> that was something I really had to learn. And I do remember the first time I decided, no, I'm going to I'm going to say what I what I mean here and I'm going to you know, ask for what I want. And I don't remember what the issue was, but I remember being so nervous, sweaty palms, heart racing, saying, you know, enforcing my boundaries, saying, I think in this situation, I would like to be treated in this way and being so scared of the reaction, but but ready. And the response, a lot of the time it's, oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry about that. Deadly. It's not as scary as you think it's going to be. And that's the thing setting the boundary it's so uncomfortable but it actually gives you a sign of whether that person is going to be good in partnership or not Mm, yeah absolutely it's it's a way of testing are they actually a good partner for you are they going to collaborate with you on what's important to you or are they going to turn around and make you feel crazy for asking for what you wanted yeah it's and again my big thing is the disease to please i'm a pleaser and the more i get into relationships the more vulnerable i become and then if i set boundaries they'll all of a sudden reject me and yada 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 it, it can be complex but once you once you are powerful and strong in yourself and as you yeah. say you know you, you, if you're with a person that that accepts you for who you are it's a, it's a big piece as well isn't it yeah i always say you can only be rejected if you're rejecting yourself. Wow, that's brilliant, I love it. Because somebody else, how they speak to you. I mean, I give the example, if I said to you, Matt, I really don't like your blue hair, you couldn't be offended because you know that that's not based in reality. You know, you just think I'm, I'm crazy, whatever. And so if you feel that secure about everything that's inside of you and your worth, yeah. then if I say to you, I didn't really like hanging out with you, you can say, okay, well, that's your problem because I know I'm an amazing person and I'm having, I'm fun to hang out with. So if you're not taking the rejection personally, you don't feel it. So that's why yeah. I say you, you can only be rejected if you're rejecting yourself, if you're taking their words and taking them seriously. It's like being offended. You can't be offended if you, if, unless you decide to be offended by a comment, you know. Uh, and that goes back, as we said earlier, it's about doing your work. It's really being... When you're strong going into a relationship, there's more chance of the relationship having longevity, isn't it? Or making the right decisions. Or if it's not working, you can pull the plaster quick and just say objectively, this is not working. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I think, where people um, do 
encounter problems because if they're people pleasers they'll give a relationship so many chances when they got a sign right in the beginning that it wasn't exactly what they wanted or you know people will be afraid to be vulnerable with the right person and they'll actually not build the connection that they really want because they're afraid of rejection so when you can work on yourself before you get into that situation you set yourself up for like you said being able to say no to the wrong thing and being able to invest in the right thing. Yeah, and I think what you just said there, vulnerability to me is a superpower. I move closer to people when they say they're vulnerable. You know, I, 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 I'm attracted to it. I just think it's it's courage uh, to, to show your vulnerability. But people then become uh, insecure if they reveal something to somebody before they got hurt, they clam up a little bit, you know, but I think, you know, that's on that person. I think you're powerful and I think you should always practice vulnerability if it feels right to you, obviously. Yeah, and that's that's it, being selective with who you're vulnerable with. Yeah. So a lot of people will respond by not being vulnerable with anyone. If somebody's, you know, rejected them or being been mean to them in the past, they'll say, okay, I'm not opening up to anyone now. Whereas the correct response or the more healthy response is to say, I can see who I don't open up to. And I'm going to be very careful to select people who are supportive of me and to open up to them. And so you can people can do that. People can practice spending more time with those really genuine supportive friends and start opening up where they know it's safe, where they know they're going to be accepted. You don't have to start by being vulnerable to any everyone. You don't have to tell your deepest, darkest secrets on the internet. Like that's not that's not that's not how vulnerability works best. But it's knowing where your story can either where sharing your story can either help you to heal, which would be with a really supportive friend group, with you know a therapist, something like that, or where your story can help other people to heal, which is what we get you know whenever any of the amazing leaders or podcasters or you mentioned Brene Brown when they share their story that's what they're doing they're sharing yeah. their story of vulnerability to help us grow the way we need to grow yeah absolutely fantastic I'm just mindful of time what's the one thing you would like people to take away after listening to this interview in regards to dating self-development whatever what's what would you like to leave people with I will leave them with the simplest message that I think is the most powerful is that you are enough exactly as you are, exactly as you are. You don't need to put on loads of makeup to go out, to go on the video date. You don't need to lose weight to start dating. The way you are is perfect. And to just love yourself and accept yourself flaws and all. And to know that you're still on your journey and you're always growing, you're always evolving, but don't miss out on anything in this moment because you think you're not good enough. You're always good enough. Absolutely love it. Simplicity simplicity is the highest form of sophistication. And, Ooh, what, like you, and what you have done throughout this interview, you have uncomplicated a, complica- a complex issue for people. You've simplified it, you've broken it down, you've made it very humane, you know, be kind to you, be solid in yourself, treat yourself well, and then ask the questions. You know, it, it, I was just watching the interviews, just watching the way you explain things. It's all very simplistic. It's just we make it complicated based on what you said at the very start, our childhood story, our childhood beliefs. And yeah. wow, I'm really enamored. That was a fantastic interview. I loved it. 
I loved it too. So enjoyable. I didn't even notice the time going. No, it was just, I said, said, geez, I was asked the clock to slow down. I was in that my last interview. <laughs> I'm engrossed in this. It's just fascinating. And I just, as you say, I just want to try to demystify. I've learned so much for myself. Uh, just even sitting here listening to you, it's very simplistic in theory, but just putting it into practice and it's pulling away those barriers and old beliefs and old paradigms, isn't it? That prevent yeah. us from having our best self and our best life. You know, yeah. we can let go of the shackles. Yes, and it is right. simple. Every, every client I work with, well, maybe not every client, but so many of them, it comes down to not feeling enough. Yeah, and you said to yourself, you are enough. You're in the right place at the right time. You're you're the right size. There is a match out there for you. There's somebody out there if you choose for that to be. And whatever you project, you'll get back, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And and if you if you believe there's somebody out there for you, you're going to create the opportunities that will eventually lead to you meeting them. If you don't believe that there's anybody out there, you're going to create the experiences that reinforce that belief. So you'll spend too much time with people who are not a good match because your your subconscious mind is trying to prove the belief that there's no good match for you. So it's going to find bad matches simply yeah. to reinforce that belief. So when you get your beliefs under control when you sort them out then you'll start to get better results in your reality and you can call it manifestation or you can call it simply getting your beliefs in order and changing your be your behavior and your actions as a result but i yeah. i see those as two sides of the same coin absolutely what does the bible say what you think thou shall you be Mm, yeah you know you know it's it, it is it's it's true to say whatever you think it, it, it will happen whether you believe or not you know and it's and you said it from the very start it's about changing your thoughts and when you change your thoughts and story the, the world changes where yeah. can people find you if they want to work with you where where will they, they look you up i'll put your 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 stuff on the show notes but let's tell them yeah the platform instagram is my main platform where i'm at at eim.oneill so o-n-e-i-l-l -L. so that's where people can find me i am also on facebook and um, i may not be as easy to find there but i have a page emer o'neill hypnotherapy so if you're only on facebook you can find me there emer o'neill hypnotherapy and just send me a message and we'll get started love it i love it i love it emer i'm absolutely delighted to have you on oh i just love the you just make it so simple and you just really really human and kind and make it less daunting for people because it is a daunting thing and that's the that's the thing you draw people in because it's something i truly believe that you, you you love what you do i do i love what i do i love simplifying it because i see it as simple and the yeah. reason it's simple is because i've gone through it all myself i've you know i've had all of the crazy limiting beliefs in my head and I processed them and came out the other side and so I see how it really is and how we're actually just overcomplicating things so get, it is get out of our own way yeah it is simple if you're listening to this and you think yeah but my situation's different contact me and I'll show you how simple it is <laughs> I love it. I had a lecture in, in college and he, he's one of the greatest teachers ever and he used to simplify the most complex problem he, he sang a song to explain how insulin and glucagon work in uh, biochemistry and he just about this song and a zoonotic transmission of diseases he sang another song 
just simplified it, made it easy. It's like, aha. And that's what this, and that's how you become a, a, a really cool teacher. And you are a really cool teacher. Thanks very much. Thank you so much. That means a lot. I really, really appreciate that. I love it. Guys, that was absolutely fantastic. I want to thank uh, you guys, the listeners. I want to thank Noel Riley from Rooney Media Graphics. I want to thank Andy from uh, Liberty's Media Hope. The girls from Shannon's Hope Line, Sandra and Lisa Caller doing amazing work for suicide prevention and shedding a light on that stuff in our, in our area here in the Liberties. Uh, check out our podcasts on all the podcast servers. We're on YouTube. Yes, I am a YouTuber, as I tell my daughter. She laughs at me and tells me I'm cringy. Uh, thanks for all the, the the feedback we get on social media and all the, the words of encouragement we get. We really, really appreciate it. Our job is to inspire you to heal your little self. Have a fantastic day. And as always, please, please, please mind your little self. When you're kind to you, you're a kinder human being uh, to the rest of the world. Emer O'Neill, thanks very much. Thank you so much. Thank you.